Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. That's new. <laughs> okay, now we know. Let's pray. Now we know this meeting is being recorded. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you have caused all your holy scriptures to be written for our learning. May we so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by the patience and comfort offered by your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of eternal life, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. All right. Chapter 15 of Revelation. It's um, a shorter chapter this week. Um, so we'll see wh with what we can do on a shorter chapter. I'll read it here from the uh, New Testament for everyone. And it's not the Gospel of Luke. It is the book of Revelation, chapter 15. <laughs> All right. Then I saw another sign, a great, amazing sight in heaven. Seven angels who were bringing the seven last plagues. With them, God's anger is complete. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass mixed with fire. There, by that glassy sea, stood the people who had won the victory over the monster and over its image and over the number of its name. They were holding harps, the harps of God. And they were singing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. This is how it went. Great and amazing are your works, O Lord God, the Almighty One. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all nations shall come and worship before you, because your judgments have been revealed. After this, I looked, and the temple of the tabernacle of, the, of witness was opened in heaven. The seven angels who had the seven plagues came out of the temple, clothed in clean, shining linen, wearing ro golden belts across their chests. Then one of the four living creatures gave the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with the anger of God who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and his power. Nobody was able to go into the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels had been completed. All right. So let's just dive right into our questions here. So verse one describes the scene. After verse one, it, it, we're prepared for another judgment of of a wrath-filled God. But we scan down through the passage where surprisingly there's, we do not actually see the enactment of plagues or bowls announced in five. So, so um, 
There's a question mark there. So uh, do we actually see, that's, I see it. Do we actually see the enactment of the plagues or bowls in, in 15.1? So, uh, so 15.1 talks about plagues. Do we actually see the plagues or the bowls in this chapter being enacted? No, people no. are shaking their heads. No. Um, what are some of the possible reasons why verses two to eight come where they do? Be- between the announcement and the enactment of the plagues. So in 15.1, we've got the announcement that there are going to be plagues. And then we have verses two through eight, which come before the plague. So why do you think this has this section comes here why do we need to know this instead of just jumping right into more plagues well has already been defeated at this point if we look at the song that follows their rejoicing in the glory of god and the fact that the beast and his number and everything associated has been destroyed. Um, you're on the right track, actually. Very, and and but then if they've been destroyed completely, why do why does there need to be plagues? I I think at the end of this chapter, are the plagues not being burned up by God and not being poured out upon mankind? Oh, there's this, the seven plagues are coming. There's, there's a, this is the announcement of the third cycle of three cycles: the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls. So you're, you're we're still getting seven more plagues um, coming, and, and so we're, the rest of the, that's what's coming in future chapters. And so, here, I hope we had clear sailing. <laughs> I think it's just to give us hope that. Uh, God will see us through all these trials and tribulations as long as we keep our faith in him and trust in him. They're coming, but we'll be okay because God cares for his people. That's, that's quite close to the mark, I think, is the idea here. Um, it looks like the calm before the storm, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we've kind of seen that before in Revelation, doesn't it? There's always this pause. Um, there's this pause before the calm, before the storm. Um, let's see. Um, now, when they say these seven plagues, which are the last, um, that there's different ways you could understand that. Um but I think it's best to understand that to mean the last, um, the last of the set in Revelation. Uh, this is the third. This is the third set. The last in John's vision. Um, because the reason why I say that is because remember this is Revelation works like a football replay. Remember, uh, I, we, we talked about this before. You get the same event from a different angle right and so there are three sets of plagues and um the 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 seals and the trumpets and now coming up the bulls um and and they're all describing the same thing uh with greater intensity 
Um, and so you're, it, it's like the camera's panning around and you're getting a similar situation. The same reality is being looked at from a different angle. So that, that's really important to see, um, I think, about how revelation works and what's going on. This is not a linear progression. And we learned that, um, we learned that uh, last week. Um, but yeah, there's this, there's this interlude where they, they, they sing, as Wendy said, they, they, they sing to God. They, um, and we're going to, we'll get into what that means. Um, and, and I think that's, that's important because it, it, it sets, I think it sets the tone. You know what I mean? It, it sets the tone for these, these judgments that are coming. It's not, um, it's not that we have this capricious, nasty, bloodthirsty God who's going to smite us with all sorts of plagues and nastiness, right? That's, Revelation is going out of its way to make sure that although there is God's anger, that's not what he wants. What does he want? What's the point we've seen previously and it's kind of hinted at here. We'll see if we can pick it up as we go. But doesn't right, he so, kind so, of want all nations, like there it is. Yep. all the world, um, to um, come to faith? And, and, you know, he wants us all to, you know, wants us all to end up uh, being uh, Christians and, and yep. uh, you know, yep. being his children, right? No, that you're, that's that you, you nailed it that that's exactly what's going on here um it's giving us a, a, a step back um to um to show us um what god's purpose is going on here um and um the rest of these plagues have to be understood from the perspective uh, of heaven uh not from the perspective of earth um, so that, that's an important uh, aspect to get here. Okay. Let's, with that, let's move on to question two and get into, uh, get into this. So question two refers to um, uh, uh, verse three. Um, and they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God and, the, and of the lamb. And then they have that song. So the saints in heaven are um, uh, sing the, the song of the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. There's two songs of Moses in the Old Testament. You have Exodus 15 and Deuteronomy 21. Uh, what? Themes. Are you sure the quote for Deuteronomy 21 is correct? No, I was actually literally just questioning that in my mind. Yeah, because uh, Deuteronomy 21 only has 23 verses. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I uh, something must have been really lost. Have a song in it. 
<laughs> no, no. Um, I, I, as as I, I literally, as I read that, because I, I prepare the questions first, and then I, I later on I go and do my own study, right? I'm preparing the questions from uh, the study guides that I'm gleaning these questions from. Um, so, and I'm trans typing them out so mistakes can happen. Uh, let just give me a second here. Um, oh. I'll check my cross-reference. Your Bibles with cross-references are important. 32. 32. Deuteronomy 32. That makes more sense. This is why Bibles come with cross-references. <laughs> um, well, let's start with 15. Because that's the one you, pro you, you probably had. So... Um, what what's the theme of Exodus 15 as you scan it? Praising God that he's the victor over evil. Yeah, and, and what's the context of that of that song in particular? When did it happen? That was after the departure from Egypt. That's right. Right. So they they cross the Red Sea, the water comes down and then they you know, sing, sing that song, uh, praising God for the victory that he's won. That's right. Um, now, Deuteronomy 32. I'm just turning there myself. Pages are sticking. Um, obviously, we don't have time to read the whole thing. Um this song comes in Deuteronomy, which comes near the end of Moses' life. Um, and um, uh, key verses here, you know, verses three and four. I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. The rock, his work is perfect. All his ways are just a faithful God without deceit. Just and upright is he. Um, and it, it also talks about his, um, his mighty acts, um, throughout the history of Israel. He sustained them in the desert. He struck the Kings of, uh, the Kings, um, and that kind of thing. Um, Yeah, in, in 36, indeed, the Lord will vindicate his people. He will have compassion on his servants. Uh, when he sees that their power is gone, neither bond nor freedom remaining, then he will say, where are their gods, the rock in which they took refuge? Uh, see now, I am he, and there is no God besides me. I kill and I make alive. Um, so there's a lot of vengeance from uh, verse 19 on as well for those that have turned away from God or reject God. Yes. Um, and, and, and so part of, um, yeah, so, so we, now that we've, we've kind of seen those, um, the themes there are, let's move immediately into three. And then we can begin to dissect this. 
now, you know, read again, the, scan again those verses in three and four, the song uh, that they sing. Great and amazing are your deeds, Lord God, the Almighty, just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Lord, who will not fear you and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. Uh, all nations will come before, uh, and worship before you, for your judgments have been revealed. In what ways do, does this song reflect the song of Moses? Songs of Moses, I should say. The song of praise. Song of praise, right. That glorifying the defeat of enemies. Yeah. And that the glory is entirely God's. Yep. Now, talks about God's attributes. He's just, yep. holy, and righteous. That's right. He talks about his attributes. Now, let's go back to the um, defeat of enemies. Where do you see defeat of enemies here in, um, in this song in Revelation? It, it's kind of um, hidden. It's subtle. It doesn't explicitly say that the defeat here of the enemies, but it, it, it's there. You can get it out of this. All nations will come and worship you for your righteousness, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Now, so, that, yeah, that's, yeah, that's not that's not quite judgment though. That's that's um, just and true are your ways. Yeah, no, it, it's more subtle than that. It's, um, it, it's the song of the son of Moses, of Moses and of the lamb. There's your hint in both of them, right? The hint is that it's telling you it's a song of Moses and of the lamb. And, and um, it also <coughs> goes up to, um, it's up to verse two, right? I saw... Uh, what appeared to be a sea of glass mixed with fire, and those who had what? Conquered the beast and its image. See that now? So it's a song of victory over God's enemies, not because its contents explicitly talk about victory, but because it, 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 it's, it's a song of Moses, and also it's stated there, the people who sing it have conquered the enemies. Do you see that? Um. Um, so what does this song uh, teach us about God? Would it be introducing the last series of God's righteous judgment? Yeah, that, that, that's, that's absolutely an, an, important, an important aspect here. I, um, I think I, I'm thinking more in terms of about God's, who God is, his character, um, this kind of idea so what is this just and true just and true and, and so flesh and that he out will always way. prevail and he was always flesh those out a little bit why is it important that god is just and true you can count on him you can count on him absolutely yeah and we probably should not fear the bowls right. of judgment Right. That, that, that's a very good point. And if he's just, that means he's, he's always fair. Right. right. Um, and, he, and 
and, and he and if he's true, he he will never lie. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, why are these attributes of God so important for us to hear and believe before encountering the bold judgments of six uh, of chapter 16? And Mark, I think you just kind of hinted at the answer to that one. The bold judgments are going to do us no harm. Right. Right. And I personally connect it with uh, John three sixteen. If he, you know, if that says what he's going to do for all who believe in him. So if he's true, then you know that will happen for all believers, right? You know, that's and that's a great. It's a good verse because it's the same author. You know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that who, whoever believes in him should not what. Perish. Perish. Right. Right. Plagues, perishing, right? You see it? Um, uh, you should not perish, but have eternal life. And that's what's going on here. Um, right? God does not want us to perish, but there some will perish. And that's what this is going to go on to describe in chapter 16. But here it's it's describing the people who did not perish. Um, now let's pause for a second here. And look at what John's doing. Um, back in verse 2, you see a sea of glass. Have we seen that before in Revelation? Do you guys remember that? Remember back when um, in chapter 4, you remember, he goes up and he sees the, the sea is glass. Do you remember what the sea of glass means and refers to? Do you have any, anybody have any notes on that? from last time think back um think back to put yourself as a land a land loving israelite living in the hill country and, and the, the water you know of is like the jordan river but the sea is the mediterranean um, um the sea is a scary and the red sea um, uh, the seas are scary places. It's where, you know, on your, on your old maps, what does it always say in big bodies of what, you know, uh, water there be monsters, right? That kind of thing. Um, where did those beasts come from? They came out of the sea. So the sea represents chaos, it, right? The chaos, the chaos of the world. Um, in Genesis 1, what is it but all this roaring and, and chaotic water? And God does what? He brings order to the chaos and out pops the land. And so it, it denotes the chaos of the sinful world. And, and what does, now that's what a, a roaring, bubbling sea, what does a glassy sea refer to then? Calmness. Calmness, tranquility. Um, that the chaos has been subdued, right? All right. Now, mixed with fire, you guys should get this. What does fire symbolize generally? Purging. Purging, right? Yep. Purification. 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 Okay. Right. Judgment, right? Yep. 
right? When somebody's preaching fire and brimstone, you, you know, they're, they're preaching uh, judgment, right? And so, um, so put, put that together, what's going on here? Um, there is calm in heaven because why? Because the evil has been burned up. Because the evil has been burnt up. Calm, cool, collected, right? Um, uh, it's like the, the reading from, I think it was last Sunday, where the weeds were collected first and burnt. Or a Sunday before. It was last week at this. Yeah, uh, it was last week. Yeah. 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 Um, yes. So um, now, the other, that's the first part. The other part, um, by the way, um, the golden harps, you know, the, the, the cartoons with, with people, what do you do in heaven? You get this harp here. This is the, this is where they, this is where the verse, where it comes from. Right. That, that's if in case you're, you're wondering where does the idea that will be on clouds having harps, it comes from here. Um, all right. There's a, a lot big, of harping goes on at work too. That's right. <laughs> or you're just a liar. <laughs> they're here all night folks they're here all night um, all right so how many of you picked up the the exodus themes here did, did you see that as you're reading this um what other what um the sea of glass we we have those imagery what uh, think in exodus terms what does a, a calm sea refer to in exodus terms Think of the story of the jump. Yeah, the Red Sea. So, um, think like think of what John is doing. John is, has the song of Moses, the song that they sing right after the walls of water come tumbling down and the 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 sea goes calm again. You see what John's doing? Um, uh, he's likening our salvation right to the exodus right you see you see what he's doing just like um moses brings the israelites uh, are enslaved in egypt and moses brings them out through the red sea there are plagues and they come to the other side and sing a song of praise and enter into the promised land eventually um Say, so too in Revelation, we have um, uh, the city, which is it says figuratively called Egypt, back in chapter eleven. We have a we have a dragon persecuting God's people. We have uh, a woman who's whisked away to the wilderness. Um, we've got who's fed with manna. Um, we've got a song uh, and, and and a calm sea. Um, so what John is doing here is he's, he's using the Exodus to paint this picture. And the same way that Moses um, delivers the Israelites through plagues um, and through water to the promised land, so too Jesus has, um, by his death 
and resurrection saved us um, from the Egypt uh, of Satan's sin and death. And he's, uh, and we're brought through the waters of holy baptism. Um, uh, just like that flood prayer we pray at baptism's notes. Um, we're, we were brought through the water um, and, um, and uh, when we die, we will be in heaven with Jesus, praising God for his mighty works, his great acts in saving his people. Um, and that, and John is doing that by uh, talk using this Exodus Im imagery uh, and tying it to Jesus. Um, and he's been doing it a while, and he's building on it. Make sense? Yeah, I, I also see um, uh, the great flood and the ark, and the time after the flood when things became calm and the sun came out again. Yep, that's that's a, that's another good. It's alluding to that as well, I think. Yep, uh, yep, absolutely. It, it, just like Luther's flood prayer. Yep. Um. So, question four here: Why is it appropriate that the song of the Lamb is sung just as the seven plagues are about to be poured out? Reassurance reassurance yep yep christ is our intercessor that's yeah and a warning actually a warning yeah <coughs> yeah it's warning us to remain faithful and steadfast because god does or we're going to suffer and and the nature of that suffering is is related to what then or not the nature, the per, um, cause, the cause of that suffering. It is not having Sorry. faith. Right. Lack of faith. Right. It's um, the, the song of the lamb tells us about God's great and mighty deeds to save, right? To act in, in deliverance and defense of his people. Um, it talks about the nations coming and worshiping before you, you know, before him. Uh, when you read that, all nations will come and worship before you. Um, um, think of that, uh, that great song that Paul has in Philippians. Um, to you, every knee shall bow on those on earth and uh, in heaven and on earth and under earth. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Right. Very famous text. Um, so this theme of all the nations coming together people not just from israel but from from all the nations coming and worship god um is is a theme throughout throughout the bible we've seen it throughout revelation and he's making that same point again so um um but the plagues are coming upon those who are not rejecting this right but they're not singing the song of the lamb right um um yeah um the people who the plagues are being poured on are those who uh did not conquer the beast uh or its image and the number of its name right 
Um, by the way, that word conquered back up in verse two, um, that should remind you of those letters to the seven churches. Remember to the one who conquers, I will do this to the one who conquers. I will do that. Well, here they are. They've conquered, right? Um, just, just a, uh, connection. John quotes himself as much as he quotes any other book uh, in the Bible. All right. And the second half of this question then is why is it appropriate that those who have been victorious over the beast and his cult are the ones who sing? They have triumphed. Yes. And they're the witnesses. They were part of it. They were part of it. Yeah, that's right. That's that's right. And that ties nicely in to other parts of Revelation where it says that while they're on earth, uh, they have the job of bearing testimony to Jesus, right? Uh, they're witnesses of God's great and mighty acts. In fact, Pentecost, what was it um, just this past Sunday in the uh, reading from Acts 2, what was it that they were saying on Pentecost in those tongues? It says, and they, we, each one of us here in our own language, them talking about the mighty acts of God, it says. So same, same idea here. Yep. Great. Um, anything else in that, this, these first few verses that we want to talk about? Um. I think I got most of the imagery. You go back, Pastor, to Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Yeah, that's right. Um, yep, yeah, sometimes there is a valley of the shadow of death. <laughs> um, um, let's, let's take a look quickly at the harps. We have something on harps. Um, and what verse are the harps in? They are in verse two. Um, hmm. See if I can pick up something on harps here. Well, we, we used a song a little while ago in church where it talked about the harps and the lyres and the cymbals and Praising God. That's yeah. Um, harps connote victory. Uh, that was uh, harps in Revelation often connote victory. Um, yeah. So there you go. Um, so and that makes sense here. We give it with the context. Okay. Just want to make sure we catch any of the uh, images that um, that you, you, we didn't quite catch. You know what I mean? As as we're reading, uh, uh, the best part of having the commentary is it tells you what the um, uh, what these images mean. Um, okay. Next question. Question five. What are the judgments of God mentioned in verse four that have been revealed in Revelation? And how do they draw the nations to worship the lamb? 
So this is going, this is tying back into what we said, we just finished saying, but when it, it's asking for your judgments have been revealed. What, what are those judgments that have been revealed? That you've sinned and fallen short. Yeah, that's, that's definitely part of it. There's more to it than that. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's the vital part of it. A vital part of it. Beginning vital part of it, I guess. What other, what other, what other judgments has God made? Well, against those who will not fear. Right. Um, there was one great act of judgment um, that it, it, it's odd sometimes for us to think this way. Um, because we don't typically think of it as a judgment. And that is um, God raised Jesus from the dead. How is resurrection a judgment? It's a righteous judgment because he had no guilt and deserved not to die. That's right. And so that's twofold. Um, so it's a judgment on Jesus that he's innocent right because judgment does not always mean condemnation judgment means a, a verdict of the judge right the judge has passed a verdict right um we hear judgment we think condemnation but the word can mm -hmm. just mean he's, he's rendered a the judge has rendered his judgment right uh uh, it doesn't have to have the negative context. And that's what I wanted you to pick up that in, with this question, that it doesn't necessarily have the negative contents, context. It's, it's a positive judgment too. And um, we often say um, that Jesus was vindicated or God judged on behalf of Jesus. He proved that he was innocent and that the court that condemned him was wrong and that he did so by raising him from the dead. Um, uh, the law, right? The um, this is important for it to see because, as Lutherans, we 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 always categorize everything into law and gospel, right? And that's very good. So the point you need to see here, then, theologically, is the law will not get people to repent without the gospel. Just telling someone that they're going to die and go to hell because of the breaking God's law, no matter how well and how good you do it, if they're weeping and sorrowing, if you don't hold out the hope of the gospel, they're not going to repent. It's the mercy of God that leads people to repentance, right? Um, not just, oh, you, you, you messed up and, and now you're going to, you know, be, be fried. Um, so that's important to see. Um, so God has revealed his judgments, law and gospel. Um, and um, the nations worship God because uh, not only of who he is, but also because he's revealed his judgments. How, <coughs> so then, how might we 
explain God's judgments. Now, this is <laughs> uh, the question equivocates, <laughs> by the way. Um, this is think judgments negatively. Um, how might we explain God's judgments, his negative judgments, his wrath, you should say, in a way that actually draws people to Christ? Because that often pushes people away. Think uh, also about our discussion last week. So how would you explain God's wrath, his judgment in such a way that people would be drawn to Christ instead of pushed away? Sticking with your theme of positive, mm -hmm. uh, it would be that through faith in Christ, we are always judged innocent. And therefore we have eternal life versus those that do not have faith that regardless of how good a life they might lead, they are never found just because they don't have faith. Um, yeah. Where, where pastor is it in the Bible that, that uh, the Lord chastes those who, whom he loves? Uh, Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews, okay. Um, Does that tie in with this? It could. It's not quite what I'm going for, but yeah, it could. Okay. All right. So let's let's rephrase this. God's coming with His wrath and anger. Um, Paul says, um, "The wrath of God is revealed against all uh, unrighteousness." Romans chapter one. Um, um, they're storing up for themselves wrath for the day of judgment, right? Also, Paul. So we think about God's coming judgment, his wrath, his anger. How does, how do you make that sound attractive? That's the question. Well, God is, has nothing to be trifled with. He's all powerful and he's rightfully angry at the sin but he is merciful to those who fear him. Um, Didn't Jesus say, fear not, for I'm with you always, even until the end of times? Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. You guys keep going to the gospel. <laughs> but I want you to, I want you to, I want you to think about this for a second. Why? <laughs> um, why is God's wrath a good thing? That's the why, that's what the question is getting at. Why is his wrath a good thing? Why is he angry? He's angry at sin. At sin, right? And and and, and sin affects. Sin is not just um, the bad the 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 social taboos I'm not supposed to 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 do. Sin is the corruption my my internal corruption but that imply but my uh, our internal corruption affects our relationship with god god and one another yeah. right and it it has effects in our world right 
There are people who are suffering. There are our planet in some places is being ruined, right? There are, there are wars, there's starvation and, and rape and prejudice and all sorts of nasty things going on in our world. God's angry. And so what does that anger imply he's going to do? He's going to make it right. He's going to make it right. See, God's judgments, you can, God's anger is not an anger. God, when you think, when you hear the wrath of God, don't think of this mean, nasty guy who's going to crisp you and send you to hell if you don't follow the rules. Think of a, uh, you think better of an artist who's had his beautiful piece of art defaced and destroyed and he's angry that his piece of artwork has been defaced and so what is he going to do he's going to he's going to clean the art back up he's going to put the art back he's going to get out the the paints he used and going to restore it back to the way it was Uh, in fact he's had ideas to make it even better than what it was right that's the idea here um is that the same thing as righteous anger yeah, all of God's all of God's anger has to be righteous. <laughs> yeah, I just wondered if the righteousness tied in with the anger part, but but righteous- yeah, right, righteousness has to do with um, to be just or righteous uh, in English. By the way, is the same thing. Um, uh, just comes from Latin. Uh, righteous uh, comes from German. Um, the words literally are identical in meaning. They're synonyms. It's just two different roots for the same thing in English. Uh, like folk and people, same thing. We've had two different, two different influences. Uh, pig and hog, right? Uh, two different words. Uh, they have the same meaning. So righteous and just are synonyms. Um, so you could say just and true are your ways, righteous and true are your ways. They're identical. For, for a believer, it's, it's comforting, right? But for those stubborn unbelievers, <laughs> it is going to be the wrath of God. It, it, it is. Um, but um, When you're presenting this to people and people are, are, when people are talking to you about, they're griping about the problems they see in the world. Uh, Have you ever talked to somebody and and they start complaining about something in the world they see that's going wrong? Why would God allow this to happen? That's the typical. If there was a God, why would he allow all the bad stuff to happen, right? Right. That's the question, right? I mean, mean, that's more or less easy easier to answer and that's it's it's well he's given us free will um to to you know and and we've messed up we've messed up with it you don't want god messing in uh, every single time something goes bad otherwise he'll zap all of us but when somebody starts complaining generically about all you know the world or something bad's happening in the world or this terrible things happened and this kind of thing the, the gospel can be in this situation. God's going to set it right. That's the comfort you can give somebody. No, God has promised in the Bible 
that that not just that we get to go to heaven when we die that's that's that that's true and in, in a, a big comfort to a lot of people but the gospel is so much more than that it's not just you get to go to heaven it's the god's going to make this world right again he's going to fix it right uh all the uh and, and so that's the unbelievers are not going to be a part of it no but I, i'm not talking about the judgment on unbelievers i'm talking how do we take the judge this concept of judgment and right. use it to talk about the gospel and that's kind of what yeah and that and that yeah that that's makes sense and that's all good but you're going to get these people no matter what you say refute i mean their hearts are hardened, mm -hmm. right right and you don't want to take god for granted because there will be judgment for those people right and it's not going to be a pretty thing right no and and, and like we note noted um like we noted uh last week um the nature of that judgment is not known to us right uh, exact ex exactly what hell is um um we 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 don't know we know that it exists uh that it's bad we don't want to go there um or if it's if it can be called a place um uh we know that there is eternal punishment and and um whatever form it takes we don't want to go there <laughs> um uh, um i mean we we want to do everything we can do to help um, the Holy Spirit and his job bringing people to faith. If, right. you know, however and, we can facilitate that, right? Yeah. And, but and, at the end of time, there's going to be all those people that turn their back on God. And for that, them, there's going to be serious judgment. Christ, we have judgment, but Christ paid for our judgment, right? And our, right. so, I mean, we have comfort in that. But I, I still think we should not take God for granted because he means business when he says <laughs> that if you did not believe in me, right? Right. Yeah. And and, and that, that that's important to see that um, unbelievers aren't any less more sinful than you are. <laughs> right. We're we're all we're all in the exact same boat. We all right. the same sin that infects uh, me infects everybody um the 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 um like that old saying goes there but for the grace of god go i right um so the reason why someone um ends up uh condemned is because um they they chose um to reject god and want nothing to do with them and so god is giving them what they want. Um, he's not giving them what they don't want. Um, they don't want anything to do with him, and so they they didn't, and 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 that's exactly what will happen. <laughs> uh, and that that's this that's the scary uh, scary thing. Okay, uh, question six. All right, so now we're in the second part of the the second part 
this chapter is a bit of a transition chapter. If you didn't catch that, the first four verses kind of tie up what came before. And now this sets up the next, the next part of the vision. And you can tell that with the first two words after this, I looked right. Uh, new vision, something new is happening after this, something new. All right. So we're in a new, we're in a new section uh, here. And he said, so question six is, six is uh, compare how the angels are dressed with the description in Exodus 28, 40 and 41. So, so um, what is the description in Exodus 28, 40 and 41? Um, make, they're made, have tunic sashes and headbands that give them dignity and honor. Who, who are they? It, um, it gives dignity and honor. Let me see. I just read that again. Yeah, who, who are the people who are wearing the sashes and, and robes and headbands? Aaron's son. Sons, sons. Yeah. Aaron's sons, which would be there's a there's a p word that that describes them. Priests. 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 Or priests. All right. Aaron's sons are the are priests. All right. So the angels are being described as priests. priests. Old Testament priests. Uh, um, what does that tell you about their mission? Preach the word. Sacrificial. Administer the sacraments. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're thinking, um, no, no, Old Testament priests, guys. Old Testament, New, New Testament. In in the, uh, the English word. Okay, funny story. All right. Should Pat, let's, let's go on a rabbit trail for a second. Everybody want to go on a rabbit trail? Let's go on a sure. rabbit trail. All right. The English word for priest comes from the German or the old English preost, um, which come, which is itself a German version of presbyter, which means elder. Right. So in, in Greek, it's presbyteros which it goes into old German as preost, and then it comes into English as, well, I mean, old English, and then into English as priest. So in English, priest refers to an elder, hence a pastor, a presbyter, me. So then they're intermediaries between the people and God? Same as that you That concept... See, but that, see, in, in English, we have one word. In Greek, there are two. <laughs> okay. In Greek, you have presbyter, presbyteros, um, which means old man, elder, right? But you have hierus, uh, which is a priest. Now, that's the kind of priest we're talking about. So we're not talking about here the New Testament pastors, as priests all right we're talking old they're just that's why the quote is the the the, the text is from exodus so you you know think more about an old testament priest what do the kind what are the kinds of things that an old testament priest does 
different from what I do. Yeah, they perform sacrifices on our behalf. Right. Um, and then once the sacrifices, what other thing they sacrifices? What are, there's a few other things they do. They offer prayers. Prayers, and how, there's a very tangible way they do that. How do they do that? Through the burning of incense. Ah, very nice. The very the burning of incense. Great. So they they have they burn incense. Um, um, anything else you think the priests do? Anything? Did we miss anything? Circumcision. Uh, could be. Yeah. Uh, though that's not quite applicable here, I don't think, but it's, it's still a thing. There are um, judges who made judgments on people yes. with or that, That's very good as well. Absolutely. Um, so, so what you've got here um, is... Um, what you've got here is is a bit of a a bit of a well, I mean, a liturgical procession almost uh, coming out of um, the sanctuary um, kind of um, thing. Um, the um, well, weren't they the only ones that could go in the holy of holies? Yeah. They could go go into the presence of God. That's right. That's right. And so what are they coming? They're coming out of where? Coming out from the presence of God. Ah, yes. So so they're they're so you see these angels are coming out of the holy of holies in heaven, um, dressed like Aaron's sons, right? Um and um, and they're coming with with seven golden bowls. Uh, do I have a question about that? Um, no, I don't. Do I? No. Okay. So let's talk about the bowls. I don't want to. Um, so, what's in the bowls? We've seen them before. Plagues. Plagues. That's what, yeah, the plague's here, but we've seen the bowls previous. Prayers? Yes. Incense. The bowls of incense. The bowls that they're talking about in the Old Testament are bowls of incense. Um, and so we've seen the incense. Um, so they're coming out from the holy place with bowls of incense coming from the uh, the, the holy place. Um, so there's um, yeah, and and so what what do you think is the connection then? Um, Um, what do you think is the connection between our prayers? Remember the prayers in Revelation. Uh, remember what the content was of those, the prayers. What's the con connection between God's judgment upon the world and our prayers? There's a connection here. 
I'm asking the hard questions today. All right, let's do take our a step prayers back. defer that judgment? No, wrong, wrong track. Let's, let's back oh. up there. What is it that we pray in the Lord's Prayer? If thy will be done. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom. Kingdom. Come. Right. What are we? So what? Um, and in Revelation, what do the souls of the martyrs under the altar ask for? When they pray, they say, how yeah. long, O Lord, until you, how long do we have to wait? How long have, do we, do we have to be disembodied souls? I'm paraphrasing, uh, uh, under the altar. How long, right? Will our fellow Christians be persecuted and this kind of thing? So when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done this kind of thing, when we ask God to help us and to stop this and stop that and, and to intervene in this situation and that situation and stop the fighting over here in this land and, and, and all these things, what's the connection between all of those prayers that have been offered and what's and the judgment of God described here in the coming now do you see it yeah those things that we're praying for relief from are only going to end on the last day yeah that's, so, that's definitely so we're part of it, yeah. we're praying that again like the lord's prayer that the last day would come sooner rather than later and, and there's, there's that that's that's about half of what i'm looking for the other half is the judgment that God brings is a fulfillment of our prayers. You see it, right? We're praying, thy kingdom come. And, and that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the only way that's going to happen is if uh, God, the fire burns away all that's bad and, and, and that if god kingdom is going to come that means satan's kingdom has to go right uh, uh if, um and, and um so so the the judgment that comes upon the earth comes because we've been praying for this for a long time we may not we're not praying for hellfire and brimstone to come down on earth we're that's not the perspective that that's going on here. we're praying for god to set up his kingdom on earth so that th there will be death no more death no more crying no more pain no more tears right that's what we want we want god's kingdom to reign um uh but uh in order to get that the plagues the plagues come in revelation do you see that uh it's it's a tricky connection there but i thought that was an interesting point I noted that, that, that yeah. the commentaries picked up that the bowls that are coming are bowls of incense, which in Revelation denotes our prayers. And that's a really interesting point. That our prayers, this is what we're praying for. We're praying for God to take action. Uh, you know, we pray for God to intervene and then he doesn't. But when God intervenes, crazy things happen, right? Uh, you don't always want God to intervene in every situation, sending in, you know, uh, a hit squad of angels um, uh, because th that... 
have you ever seen that uh that really bad bible tv show um called the bible um they did the uh, they had sodom and gomorrah and the angels that 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 brought um, Abraham and Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah were like ninjas and they like fighting the people. <laughs> I watch them. I don't remember ninja angels in my book of Genesis. Anyway. All right. Uh, did we get that question? All right, great. Yes, we did. All right. Oh, what happens in the temple after the angels are given the bowls of wrath? Fills with smoke. Fills with smoke. Great. Let's move on to chapter question seven because now we're that'll that'll um, that it leads right into that question. Uh, the reference in, in verse eight to no one being able to enter the heavenly temple is reminiscent of 1 Kings 8, 10 through 11 during the dedication of Solomon's temple. How does this help us understand what's going on? So well, what happens? The cloud fills the temple. The cloud fills the temple. And what does the cloud uh, uh, signify in, in 1 Kings 8? The glory of the Lord is, is, has filled the temple. That's right. That, that the glory of the Lord has filled the temple. Great. So here now we have um, the heavenly temple. And um, how does that help us to understand what's going on here? tricky one isn't it <laughs> yeah. yeah um so the um well what's going on here it, it, what does the smoke here in revelation represent it fills with smoke glory, it, of, glory god. of god yeah yep that's right um so the glory of god the presence of god uh fills the the, the temple in heaven um, and, and no one can enter the temple until the plagues have ended. Well, that's a interesting. Um, um, that's an interesting. What do you think? What, what's your take a stab at that? What do you think that, that that's there ain't no to? stopping it. There ain't no stopping it. That's right. That, that's no. That, that's exactly right. Uh, the um, uh, the I, I, one commentary here says there is no interruption. There ain't no stopping it. <laughs> um, uh, there uh, there is no interruption until the prayers of the saints are answered and God has decisively acted against the wickedness and injustice in the world. Right, the, the 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 door is closed. You know the, the uh, think of that the story in um, the parable. Right, there comes a point in Jesus' parables when you're not you know the door's open for a while and then 
what does Jesus say? The door's closed. That's it. That's why the, uh, what does uh, Isaiah say? What Paul quotes him. Um, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. You can't repent tomorrow. Um, you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Oh, I'll, I'll repent tomorrow. Or, oh, you know, I'll wait until I'm 90 and I'll repent of my deathbed. Well, you don't know if you're going to live to 90. You could be hit by a bus, uh, you know, next week and, and you're done. And where's your repenting? Um, uh, you know, so some of that is, is, is being played on here. Um, um, yeah, so, so the, that's, that's an important, uh, a bit of what's going on. Um, great. Uh, next question. Uh, this is kind of summarizing some of the themes here. Uh, how do we see ourselves differently? when we pause to consider God's immense power and glory and the reasons why he executes judgment on earth. We're part of the cause. Yeah. You're certainly not capable of doing anything about this mess on our own. Yeah. Yeah. We're part of the cause. Uh, we couldn't do it on our own, absolutely. What about the fact that this immense power was is used to execute judgments on our behalf uh, to save us in answer to our prayers? You know, how does that? That we're very blessed that he sent his son for our salvation. Absolutely, we're very blessed uh, that that he would um, that he has placed his love on us that way, right? Uh, that although we have a God who executes judgment, we have a God who's who's primarily a God of love. He's acting out of love and concern and care, not only for his creation but also for uh, for his 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 children who love him and call on him. And, and, and trust in him, those kinds of things. Um, and then um, the chapter has, has quite a bit to do with God's holiness. Uh, what does it mean for us to worship God because of his holiness? Did you catch a little bit of our, of the Gloria in there too? You alone are holy. <laughs> All honor is due his name. That's right. Um, and, and we have we should watch a, a little video at some point about what holiness is. Um, holiness is not just moral purity; um, it has to do with God's um, complete otherness, His separatedness, um, how different and completely separate He is. Um, So, so why should, let, let, let's take the question, make it a tad bit more general. Why should the God revealed in this chapter inspire us to worship him? Because there's nothing else and no one else worthy of our worship. 
That's right. That's right. He is our father. Mm-hmm. And he has done great and amazing things for us uh, uh, in, in sending his son to die for us in, in, in you know, those kinds of things. That's, that's very important uh, to see. So, so God, the father, Holy spirit, they're, they're spirit, right? There's their being a spirit. Um, what, 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 entity is the father and the holy spirit like is because it's our souls that are in heaven right but is the soul the same thing as what their spirit is or is that something completely different no um um yeah um no i would say that they're the what kind of uh, what kind of thing are they god they're they're, it's god he's not a kind of thing because he's not god is not a thing um um, uh god is not made god is not made up of stuff he just he's just himself um and so we're we are not the same stuff as him uh we are completely different stuff stuff he made um does that make sense? Um, so w- when we die, um, our souls uh, go to be with Christ and, and in paradise, and we typically call that heaven. That's fine. Um, so we will see Christ, right? Yeah. And is it just through him we see the Father and the Spirit? Good Even question. though he's at the right hand of the father, like the the right hand. Of, don't forget the right hand of the right. father is not a place. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, in our debates with the Calvinists, um, the Calvinists would always say uh, back in the day that God's right hand was an actual place. And so the Lutherans to make fun of them took um, because they would say Jesus can't be on his Jesus's body and blood can't be on the altar because he's at the right hand of the father. Uh, and so they would, that's what the Calvinists would say. And so uh, the Lutherans, to make fun of them, would, would draw pictures of Jesus chained to the throne in heaven. He can't go anywhere because he's at the right hand of the Father. Um, so the, the right hand of the Father is not a place. Um, what, are we going to see God the Father? I don't know. Right. In um, heaven, in heaven right. will we see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or will we just see Christ? Um, I tend to think we, we might see, we're going to see all of them because it says we'll see God as he is, see God or see Christ as he is. I don't know. It's a good question. Well, did Moses, um, Moses saw God, right? Mo, uh, Genesis, uh, Genesis, John chapter one, verse 18. No one has seen God at any time. Okay. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has made him known. The only so Moses o- was in the presence, but he didn't see Moses. Anytime God shows up literally in the old Testament, it's Jesus. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> <It's>, All right. <laughs> that's, that's what the, the, the um, wow. and, and so like 
in chapter Revelation 22, when we get there, it says the tent of God will be with mankind and he will dwell with them and they will be his people. But the word tent is um, tabernacle, which refers to John 1, 14. The word was made flesh and tabernacled among us. Um, so it's a reference to Jesus. So um, I do think we're going to see the, the whole Trinity. Um, it, it's just hard to find a verse that explicitly says that we will see Jesus. That's absolutely 100% rock solid. Uh, um, but will we see the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? I think so. I just can't think of a verse right now off the top of my head um, that, that, it, that, that I could use to explicitly prove that. Um, Lauren, do you know a verse you could prove? Oh, she's got it. <laughs> um uh questions let's see okay and our summary questions uh what's the key verse here what do you think what would you have cited as the key key verse of the chapter i did verse four yeah i had verse three yeah yeah both of them yeah yep three four yep i think three four are, are the, the 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 key here um yep um, and uh did you have any lingering questions about this passage so if you want a, a brief recap he's got the exodus themes uh the uh um the exodus he, he the key takeaway here uh for the first half is this connection with the exodus jesus has freed you from satan sin and death like uh moses freed the the israelites um and that god's judgments include making the not just bad things but also good things um um yeah so any any other questions here on, on chapter 15 before we conclude with prayer great let's offer a prayer and then you're free to go and if you have any other questions comments or concerns we can keep chatting if we need to almighty god and father your son jesus christ opened for us the way to your throne we implore you to plant your saving word in our hearts. Let it find welcome there. Let nothing in this life distract us. Let no trouble embitter us. Let nothing take the joy and promise of your saving uh, message uh, from us. Uh, you have promised that power and life and light are ours because of your holy revelation found in your word. And even though the world around us is in turmoil, at your side, in your presence is peace. Bless us and keep us through your promises, which are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Thank you. You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at revfenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at icloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.